Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, guys? Here we are back once again. Couple of hot topics for us to discuss uh, in this one. We even brought in a guest, our great friend Evan Western from Acme Packing Company to talk about the Aaron Rodgers decision to uh, not only continue his career, but to do so in New York with the Jets. And, um, you know, going to get his thoughts, his feelings on it. Was, you know, was it one of those things? It was just inevitable. It had to happen at some point because it's kind of been this exhausting drama that the Packer fans have had to deal with. Well, football fans in general have had to deal with this because Aaron Rodgers' news is going to be front page news pretty much no matter what. But, you know, it is. Are, are they relieved to finally have it over with? Are they sad to 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 lose him? Or does you know last year's mediocre performance soften the blow? We'll talk to Evan. We'll get all that info. We'll get his thoughts and feelings uh, about Aaron Rodgers and leaving the team, and his thoughts and feelings on Jordan Love and the future of the Green Bay Packers. Um, we'll see how how that uh, how that discussion. Uh, goes. I, I know that, that Bear fans are feeling pretty great about it. Um, I have very mixed feelings about it. Obviously, I'm thrilled to see Rodgers gone. That's what we've wanted for a long time now, but especially like the last two or three years where it was, you know, he's in his late 30s, he's getting up there, you know, retirement is well within his clutches at this point. But, uh, you know, I'm also kind of upset that, you know, we're watching Ryan Poles kind of laid the foundation for what could be long-term success. And our next game against the Packers, Rodgers won't be there to see if, if we can compete, if we could finish him, if we could finally beat him. I mean, nothing is going to top the, like the bears were never going to even up a 22 and five win loss record uh, against Aaron Rodgers. but maybe we could have put a cherry on it. Like we did with, Lovey in the final years of Brett Favre's time uh, in Green Bay. As a matter of fact, in Lovey took over in 2004, and 04, and 07, they swept the Packers because 07 was Green Bay was uh, Favre's last year in Green Bay, and in 06, they 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 beat Green Bay in the in the opener, 26 to nothing, Week One, and then finished the year in a meaningless like New Year's Eve game where the Bears started benching starters in the first half. So, you know, Green Bay won that game. It didn't really mean anything. It was like the first time that Favre danced with retirement. But he came back in 07. The Bears swept uh, the Packers despite the fact that we were 7-9 and nine and, uh, you know, definitely feeling the Super Bowl loser's curse. And, uh, you know, but we swept Green Bay that year. It was pretty great, both of those games. One of them was a Sunday night game, the fourth and one to Desmond Clark for the touchdown. And then uh, we won 35-7, to seven, like one of the coldest games in Soldier Field history. Erlacher picks off uh, Favre, takes it back like 85 yards for a touchdown. It was just so great. 
we won like 35 to 7 uh in that game so anyway we will uh unfortunately not be able to do that to Aaron Rodgers as he's off to the Jets um but uh you know maybe we'll get a shot maybe we'll get one more shot at him in a jet uniform before he hangs it up for good who knows fingers crossed that when when the real bears finally show up and we get our hands on uh on Rodgers again maybe we'll come out on top we'll have to wait and see but anyway let's go ahead and dive right in we we got our talk with Evan Western talking about Aaron Rodgers and the state of the Packers and after we get done with that we're going to do a quick uh, free agency review, um, the first wave, and, and I, I guess you could say the second wave of free agency is uh, kind of over with. I mean, there's still some names out there to be had, some people that could be added to the uh, roster, but I think we've signed who we're going to sign as far as big money deals uh, and whatnot. We'll talk about who we get, who we got, who we didn't, who we lost, and everything else. Got a lot to get to, so let's go ahead and get started. This is the Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets reaction review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. So we're in the guts of free agents. I, I, free agency, I should say. We should be, what are we, in the second wave? The third? Um, anyway, we're, we're deep into it now. Um, the Bears have made several moves. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit uh, later on. But we want to address the elephant uh, in the room, and, and I guess this would be Pat McAfee's room, or you know, I guess because that's the only place he feels like talking to anybody. Um, but we're bringing in our good friend from Acme Packing Company, Evan Western, to share his thoughts and feelings on Aaron Rodgers' major decision that he wants to continue his career in a jet uniform. Evan, welcome back, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, no, we missed the the second Packers Bears game this year, so it's nice to have an excuse to to get together again, even if it's you know talking about our mercurial, obnoxious quarterback. <laughs> so, so let me ask you, man. Uh, we we just talked about it just a moment ago before we started recording here. How do you how do you feel, and how do you like you know as a member of Acme Packing Company, how do you assess like your your reader base, your fan base, or whatever? How do you feel about this whole thing? I mean, is is it kind of like a relief that it's finally over? Are you sad to see him go? Are you happy to see him go? I mean, what what's the what's the temperature of the water out there these days? All of those, I think, are appropriate in different measures. Mm. So, um, I think everybody's done with the drama with him going on McAfee and talking about how he loves direct communication, but then is really, really vague about everything that he says. Right. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, he loves direct communication when it comes one way at him, but not going the other way. Right. But it's, it's things like that. It's, you know, everything around him in the last couple of years has just been, um, you know, been a circus. And I think Packers fans in general, myself included, I think are, are ready to move on and turn the page. And I think this, this is a very different conversation than it would have been a year ago because yeah. a year ago, he's coming off of two straight MVPs. Um, they certainly could have moved on last year and decided, no, we, we want you back. We, we want you back for next year. And the quality of play obviously dropped off significantly last year. And when he's not playing at an elite level, um, that, means that all of the off the field stuff becomes less tolerable. Right. 
And so you, I, I think, need to turn the page, and this is... Uh, the parallels between this situation and the situation to 2008 with Favre and, and Rogers, right? Uh, all of these parallels, you know, are, are coming into play again. Um, Jordan Love sitting for three years and, and now getting the to take over the reins in his fourth year. Same thing with Rogers. Um, so, but no, I think the, the the fan base in general is ready to move on from Rogers, uh, ready to see what Jordan Love has and what he can do. And the, the line out of Green Bay has been that Jordan Love is ready and, and he took a big step this year and uh, they're excited about him taking over as a starting quarterback. And I, I think we, we need to we need to see what this kid's got mm-hmm. and um, we need to see what the Matt LaFleur offense looks like with a quarterback who's willing to run it rather than kind of put his own stamp on, right. on that offensive scheme because this was very much a... Rogers offense with a lot of fuller concepts, but it always seemed like Rogers kind of held the the final cards. Now you've got a guy in love who's going to be running Lafleur's offense. You saw a little bit of of what we think we he can do in that end of that Eagles game the week before Packers played the Bears in the second half of the season um, when Love looked great. So there's there's flashes there. There's there's some excitement and it feels a lot, again, a lot like 2008, except there are a lot fewer people who are um, criticizing the front office, I think, for moving on from the veteran quarterback this time than there were 15 years ago. Yeah, he really did kind of wear out his welcome to the, like when we finally got to the end here, it, it was just like the dam kind of broke on that one. Mm-hmm. With with Favre, he, he was pretty much great up until the end. I mean, in 2007, he had an outstanding year uh, in yeah. 07. You guys, you know, after being like, what, 6 and 10, maybe 7 and 9 the year before in 06, in 07, you're 12 and 4. You make it all the way to the NFC championship game. You're hosting the NFC title game. You got the Giants in overtime. Favre throws the pick, and, and then it was was over. But it was, it was a season worth remembering. Favre was fantastic despite his age and playing 6,000 games in a row. Uh, and all that kind of stuff, whereas Rodgers, and in his last year, like you said, the play teetered off, the team was not successful, you know, they they lose to the Lions at home in the last game uh, of the season. I mean, it was a very unceremonious ending for, for Aaron Rodgers yeah. and the Aaron Rodgers era. Yeah, and it always, it felt like when he was walking off the field at the end of that game, you could just sort of feel that it, it seemed like the end. Mm-hmm. His body language, um, just the, the way he was kind of looking around at, at Lambeau, um, you know, uh, on that Sunday night game and, and sort of trying to take everything in. It, it seemed pretty clear that, that he thought there was a really good chance that this might be the last time he was playing in a Packers uniform. Yeah, and especially that little, uh, that little bromance that he had with Randall Cobb as they came off <laughs> yeah. the field together it's like they couldn't keep their hands off of of each other you know arm in arm you know arms you know uh you know rogers putting his arm over around uh you know cobb as they talk and and walk back uh i heard heard later on that uh i think jamal williams wanted to trade jerseys and he's like no i think i'm gonna hang on to this one it's like (laughs) you know it's a lot of it spoke volumes in 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 what he thought the what he thought was ahead you know whether he was playing it safe i'm gonna hang on to this one just in case or I'm hanging on to this one because this is probably the last time I'm walking off this field. So um, it, it was quite an interesting uh, turn of a uh, turn of events. I mean, tragic ending, same as 
Same as Favre, obviously the ending did not go the way that, that either of them wanted, but Favre was, you know, one play away from the Super Bowl, whereas Rodgers needed to beat the Lions just to make the playoffs, where he would have been yep. most likely a sacrificial lamb to, uh, who was the two seed? San Francisco in the first round? I mean, that's the last thing you guys needed, was to be <laughs> right. playing San Francisco in the goddamn playoffs again. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was, um, yeah, it, it was going to end ugly for Rodgers, seemed like either way last year. Yeah, one of the frustrating things almost now that we look back at the end of the season in hindsight is that winning streak that the team went on late because if they were eliminated from the playoffs, the front office had kind of said and the coaching staff said that, all right, at that point, maybe we'll take a look at Jordan Love, get him into a couple games and, and oh, see right. what he can do. Yeah, yeah. But because they, they ripped off those four straight wins and were still mathematically alive and then, you know, got all the help they needed down the stretch, right, to, to end up going into week 18, basically just needing to win and get in, um, that, that kept them alive. And, and certainly Rodgers was was going to want to compete and make try to make the postseason and, right. and the team as a whole um, still saw that as an opportunity. So, um, yeah, in, in hindsight, it you, you got to wonder if, if it might have been better all around for everybody, if the they were able to pass the torch a little bit in those last couple of weeks and get a little bit longer of a look at love, yeah. it certainly would have made the discussions um, around this offseason a little more interesting with at least the fan base having a little more information about love. Um, you would have loved to have had more than whatever it was, 40 snaps or something like that that he had this season mm-hmm. to, to go off. So, um, do you yeah, wish that uh, salary cap wise that that maybe this move was made a year ago? Seeing that you signed a hundred and fifty oh, yeah. million dollar guaranteed <laughs> extension, uh, you know, going into twenty twenty two. Well, that definitely is a part of the the equation here, as far as the Jets are concerned, and as far as the trade compensation is concerned, right? Because yeah. whoever play, plays him or whoever gets him this season is going to have to basically pay him a $60 million bonus to, to play this season. Um, that's going to hit the cap and spread out over a couple of years. And it, it makes the trade compensation a lot more complicated because anybody who's going to acquire him is going to have to foot that $60 million bill. Yeah. Here we are having this conversation. We're, we're talking on, on Wednesday night. Rogers made his decision last Tuesday uh, afternoon and, you know, you and I were talking, what, last Wednesday, last Thursday about getting together to talk about this. Yeah. And, and, and my thing was that I wanted to hold out for an actual deal to get done. But here we are eight days later, and it's, you know, nighttime on the eighth day. We're nowhere near uh, a deal uh, at this point because I was hoping to, it's like, not only how do you feel about Rogers leaving, how do you feel about, you know, that, the whole divorce and all that kind of stuff, and also – how do you feel about what the Packers got in return? Right now, we're just speculating about what the Packers want or what the package could be, what the Jets are willing to give up and, and all that kind of stuff. Rodgers has put it out there that he'd be willing to discuss, you know, amending or, or fixing his contract to be more cap friendly to the Jets. But he's got to be a New York Jet first in order for that to happen. And yeah. this uh, this Mexican standoff that the Packers and the Jets are in right now where one thinks the other one has the, you know, each one thinks they have the leverage to hold on to the deal is, uh, you know, is, is getting into this, man. I mean, we're, we're in, in late March. I mean, dude, next Saturday's April 1st already. I mean, we're only four weeks away, five weeks away from the draft. 
taking place. The, you know, the Jets need to know, are they going to have to, you know, maybe make some maneuvering to trade up to get themselves another quarterback? Are they going to have to go another year with Zach Wilson? Or are they going to stop effing around and get Aaron Rodgers in camp so they can, you know, move forward here? Yeah, the leverage thing is such a, a hot button topic on on Twitter and on sports media right now, and it, it's it's hilarious to me. Yeah, because the Packers. What, all right, what what happens if the Packers don't trade Rodgers right away? He sits on the roster for a while. If anything, it actually helps them on the cap if they don't move him until after June first, right? Because then you can split up the cap head over two years rather than eating the whole forty million dollars this year. And you've got Jordan Love, who you know is going to be your starting quarterback this year anyway. For the Jets, if they don't get a deal done, what the hell are they going to do at quarterback? Yeah. So I, it, it fundamentally just boils down to what what are the alternatives for these teams if the trade doesn't happen? And the alternative for the Packers is a lot more palatable than it is for the Jets. Yeah. Especially at least in the you know the next several months. So I think that that ultimately. Uh, the leverage question has has been beaten to death at this point right i think the you know certainly there's an impetus to get it done before this year's draft the packers would like to to have draft pick compensation this year to to try to help jordan love in 2023 right and Um, and you know what it's like when you want to talk about leverage like the jets have leverage so that green bay doesn't have to swallow a 60 million dollar cap hit um the the packers have leverage because of what uh, because of the quarterback situation, because yep. Mike White, their hero backup quarterback, just signed with the Dolphins, so that option is out of there. And just about anybody that they probably would entertain signing signed elsewhere while we were waiting for Rodgers to make his decision. Yep. So, I mean, the Jets are really stuck. I mean, they've got Zach Wilson, but they've already made the decision they're moving on uh, yeah. from, from Zach Wilson. I mean, just having the discussion for Aaron Rodgers put them in that spot. They weren't able to lasso Derek Carr while, you know, Rodgers was on his darkness retreat. And sometime we're going to have to sit down and talk about what the hell a darkness retreat is. Oh, my God. Anyway, while he was sitting in darkness, you know, contemplating life or whatever, the, the, the Jets weren't able to get Derek Carr to come to them. He goes to New Orleans. So their, their backup and then, you know, their backup plan, their plan B, C, D, E, and F all have gone elsewhere and at this point they're going to have to settle for guys like Teddy Bridgewater uh you know and and being people like that in in order to put something together on the field or go forward with Zach Wilson after they just spent the entire offseason trying to replace him and let's face it the head coach and the GM of the Jets do not have a very long leash anymore right Joe yeah. Douglas is not going to get another shot at drafting another rookie quarterback I don't think so um, they they need to get this right, and they need to to turn things around immediately. Or Joe Douglas and Robert Sala might be out of a job at the end of this season, right? So, and yeah, who gives you the best chance to do that this year? Is it a rookie quarterback that you have to mortgage your entire draft this year and next year for to get up to one of those guys in the top four or five, or is it somebody like Rogers that? you know can come in and immediately, even in a down year like he had last year had a historically great season by the, the, the comparison of other Jets quarterbacks in, in that franchise <laughs> history. <laughs> right. So, yeah, there's uh, – and, and there's talent around that 
the rest of that there team, is. team, right? There's, yeah. there's Garrett Wilson, one offensive rookie of the year. Sauce Gardner, one defensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. That defense has has been built through the draft and is, is really, really good. Um, and there's weapons on on offense for, for Rodgers to throw to. And they got one of his buddies in yeah, Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard, yeah. So you've got a diverse set of receivers out there. Um, yeah, and if, and if that kid, think, if that kid Brees Hall comes back healthy, yeah, they're going to hit yeah. the ground running on offense. They just, they just need someone to drive the ship. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it, this team is set up to to have some success next year. Um, but yeah, they need the quarterback to do it, and they need a, a fairly proven option because you're not going to do it with a, a project rookie. It's just not going to happen. And Clearly, it's not going to happen with Zach Wilson either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny that, like you said, the parallels between the Rodgers and Favre's situation. They both won, you know, kind of wore out their welcome. The last few years, they kind of, you know, were were were, were you know, for lack of a better phrase, prick teasing the team as far as I'm I'm going to come back. I'm not. I want to keep playing. I'm not. Favre would retire and then change his mind, and you know, all that kind of stuff to the point where in 08, they're like, you know what? That's enough of this. You say you want to come back, we'll go play somewhere else. We're going on with Rodgers, and that's where the Packers are right now with with Jordan Love. They've they've had enough and they want to move on and you know start building toward toward the future. And you know, somehow, fifteen years apart, the Jets are the destination for both of these guys. Whereas the Packers basically gave Favre away fifteen years ago for like a fourth round pick or whatever it is, they are standing firm, heels dug into the ground, even though Favre had a better season than Rodgers did in his last year in a, in a Packer uniform. They're hanging on to the fact that, you know, Brady played until he was 68 years old, so Favre, you know, Rodgers has still got some good years left, and you don't need Rodgers to be Superman uh, yep. for the Jets like the, like the like the 08 Jets did. It was not as good a situation that Favre walked into that, Rodgers is walking into uh, with that uh, with that franchise. I mean, it's it's um, it's really kind of amazing that uh, it, it ends up being the same team that both those guys mm-hmm. get traded off to. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the 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 trade compensation thing is is still fascinating, right? Yeah. Right? So the just today, I mean, maybe it's a good thing we wait until today to do this because the Jets did make a move that is going to. You know, affect what they have to offer the Packers with uh, trading Elijah Moore off to the to the Browns for uh, what is it, the forty second pick. So now the Jets have back to back picks early in the second round mm-hmm. on forty two and forty three. Um, that seems to me to be the kind of move where the Packers said, "All right, if we can't get number thirteen from you, the thirteenth overall pick, get us two second round picks, and we don't want Elijah Moore for whatever reason. You know, fine." So, and clearly the Jets didn't want him anymore. He had a falling out. So move him, get a second round pick and, and, um, you know, and send, send those two 42 and 43 off to the Packers. And you look at those trade value charts and things, and those two picks together are kind of worth a late teens first round pick 17, Hmm. 19, depending on the, the chart that you look at. Sure. So it's, it's kind of a way of getting that first round value without, actually getting a first round pick. So maybe everybody gets to save a little face with, uh, with that sort of a deal. Yeah. I mean, depending on which uh, draft analyst you talk to 42 and 43 are late first round picks uh, yeah. as far as the talent pool in, in the draft is concerned. I mean, sometimes there aren't an, there, there aren't enough players to fill out a first round as far as the, yeah. you know, top prospects are. And then sometimes you can get first round talent deep into the second 
uh, around. And, and I think they're saying this is one of those drafts where, you know, like the Bears are going to be able to get themselves a quality offensive lineman or a or an edge rusher at 53 when they finally pick again in the second round uh, versus, you know, having to uh, snag Will Anderson or Jalen Carter at number one like they would have if they had kept the pick. So it's yep. uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting draft, and those picks together would hold uh, great value. Do you think the Packers would bite on either 42 or 43 and a conditional next year? I think right now with the Jets holding both of those, they want both of the, those picks. Um, like I said, I, I feel like the the Elijah Moore trade was to set up to get the assets that they need to send to the Packers to, to come to a, an agreement. So I, I, I definitely think the Packers would love to get both of those two um, and then add a, a conditional pick in 2024 on top of it. Mm. Because the the other the other possibility that had been floated out there was all right get the second rounder get the conditional pick and then get a player. Um, yeah. A lot of people were talking about Elijah Moore potentially being that player who who comes in there. Um, now he's he's gone and they got to pick back for him. So maybe that's the the way that they find a, a, a way to compromise here. So let's talk about the team uh, in general because uh, you know I've been keeping a, a decently close eye on on free agency. And this seems like more of a Ron Wolf type of free agent period where they're not signing anybody. Um, and everyone that they're kind of iffy on, they let them go. I mean, Alan Lazard, uh, signed elsewhere. Uh, and you know, they're just letting guys go. Um, Robert Tunyon is a bear for Pete's sake. And yeah. you know, guys, guys are disappearing who who I mean I know the cupboard's not bare but who's left for Jordan Jordan Love to throw the football to Yeah that's the big question right he's he's got the two guys who came in as rookies last year so Christian Watson Romeo Dobbs um obviously Watson went nuclear kind of late in the season yeah, with, he did. um that big stretch of games where I think he had like eight touchdowns in four games or something like that um so he's going to be your your number 1 I do think the Packers, it'll be really funny if it happens this year, but it very well could happen that the Packers take a receiver in the first round. <laughs> I think you could see, like, if Quinton Johnston falls to, to 15, the guy from TCU, yeah. maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, he might be a, in play there at, at 15. It would be a little bit ironic that, you know, Packers fans have waited for 20-plus years and, and all of Rogers' career without getting a first uh, receiver in the first round, and they do it the year that, uh, that, that they, they trade him away. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's at least a possibility. Um, there's some other guys in in the second day that I think could be in there too. But no, you're you're right. They haven't made a splash free agency wise. Um, literally everybody they brought back uh, or signed in free agency either internal or external, have been special teamers. So Keyshawn yeah. Nixon, kick returner, slot corner, they brought him back. Um, Rudy Ford, special teamer, backup safety, brought him back. And then they got a long snap from the Rams and a, a special teams safety from the 49ers. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, the two best jobs in the NFL, backup quarterback and long snapper. Yeah, and those guys sure. are practically stealing money in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. And if you're a decent long snacker, you can make you know one one and a half million dollars uh, a year. I mean, because Patrick Manley, he was on the team most most games ever in a Bears uniform, and he was a long snapper for like 17 years. And his salary yeah. in his 17th year was like two million dollars to snap the ball. 
So, I mean, it's, 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 it's welfare. It's, yeah, it's welfare as far as the NFL is concerned these days. But as far as regular people are concerned, $2 million a year, that's substantial money. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, life-changing, not going to have to worry about a damn thing when I'm done playing money right there. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And then, you know, my favorite backup quarterback of all time was uh, Chase Daniel because that guy's made more money playing not not playing than he has in the, than any other player in the history uh, of the NFL. I mean, he and because he's a quarterback, he's making eight million dollars a year to back up nobody to come in, you know, back up Trubisky in 2018, 2019 or whatever it was. And, you know, and all that kind of stuff is it's a racket. Those two positions right there, backup quarterback yep. and long snapper. You'll be a very rich man and you'll probably still have your body when you're done with your career. Well, so, and especially if you can get a gig behind a quarterback who doesn't miss time. Like, imagine being Brett Favre's backup in Green Bay, being being Doug Peterson. <laughs> All those guys became coaches. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's that's the that's the best gig if you can get it. Hold a clipboard. You know, maybe you have to go in for five snaps a year, and uh, and that's about it. Yeah, playing behind you know Favre, Mahomes, yep. uh, you know. Um, Brady and, and you know guys that just don't miss time. Peyton, Eli, yeah, yeah, those guys. You're just out there stealing money, you know. Just ma- right. you just got to make sure that you're ready. That's all you have yep. to do is be ready. That's it. Yeah, the the one that I always think back to is Jim Sorge. Uh, went to Wisconsin, played at Wisconsin for a couple of years, and then ended up backing up. I think he started in Indy backing up Peyton, and then he signed as a free agent with the Giants and backed up Eli. And he had like an eight-year career backing up those two guys. You know, probably only made league minimum the whole time, but that probably means he made, you know, $5 million over his career. So <laughs> good for you, man. Yeah. So, I mean, are, are, the, are the Packers going to be players in, in the late wave of free agency? Are they still waiting to get – you know, Rogers off the books before they can start spending money. And then that frees up some, some cap space for you guys, or are you just going to ride herd with what you got, make your picks in the draft and go forward from there? Well, here's the irony is the Packers actually have a bigger cap hit if they trade Rogers before June 1st, right. than if they just hold on to him. So he's costing the team about $31 million in the cap right now. If they trade him, the dead money on his signing bonuses ends up going up to about $40 million. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, part of it is that the team has roughly $24 million in cap space, something like that. But that's going to shrink by about $9 million once they trade him. So then you're down to 15. You've got a draft class to to pay for. You've got your your practice squad in-season additions and things. Um, So there's not that much money to, to still go around mm-hmm. um, and they've basically pushed off every just about every dollar of cap space that they can into future years so i don't expect any big name guys coming in this year um i think they're going to have to fill out with a couple of you know budget guys guys on you know maybe two million dollar contracts something like that yeah so we're not going to get a you know a last minute frank clark signing you know no, before training camp yeah. or something like that where you give them the last $7 million you have on the books just to get him in there? I don't see that. Yeah, we're not going to have, like, you know, Charles Woodson back in 2006 when he signed with the Packers in, like, late April before the draft. I, I don't see that happening this year. I think this is the, the key players on this team are, are already there, and then they're going to focus on the draft class, and they're going to fill in with a couple of role players here here and there. Maybe they find, you know, a veteran receiver um, who, who gets cut for cap purposes or – you know, somebody who's just kind of still floating out there in a couple of weeks. Um, maybe they find a tight end, same situation. 
direction, but mm-hmm. that's that's about where where this team I think is at is is that that bargain area of free agency where they've tried things in the past and they haven't really worked out. Yeah, you know, they tried signing Devin Funches a couple of years ago. I don't think he even ended up playing a game for the Packers. They signed Sammy Watkins last year and he ended up playing like eight games and then uh, then the team waived him. Right. So yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not holding my breath for a big swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this that they're going to really be be gearing up for, uh, you know, trying to bring a really big, a big, good, talented draft class in, and using that to really be how they build around Jordan. Love. Do you think that could be another sticking point in these trade negotiations that the Jets want it to be an immediate thing and the Packers want it to be a post June one trade? That's a possibility. Um, I think for the Packers, the the benefit of, of just getting free and clear of Rogers contract entirely and putting all that dead money on this year's cap um, and, and being able to get draft compensation for this year is mm-hmm. important enough to do it now. Sure. Um, but if you get to a point where you get through the draft and the trade hasn't happened, then the Packers have absolutely no reason to do it before June 1st. Right. Because they're not getting those picks for this year. You're going to be looking entirely at 24 or 25 picks. And at that point, then, yeah, then you wait until June. And, um, I mean, you can roll over some of that cap space to, to next year if you need to. So that that's when I think it would, uh, it would kick in. But I think as we get closer to the draft, the Packers will probably – maybe ease up a little bit and, and try to get a deal done because it's important enough to get those picks for this year. So what do you think the forecast for this year's team is? And I know this is a greatly premature. We don't have a schedule yet. Free agency yep. still going on. We haven't, we don't have a draft, you know, like this, the, what, the, what they like to say at the end of the season, these super way too early predictions for next year. You know, what, what do you think the, the Packers are, 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 are looking at? I mean, cause for year one for Rogers, what was it? Six and ten, seven and nine, something and like 10, that. Yeah. 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 So it was, you know, he kind of stumbled out of the gate, which I think people expected. What I don't think they expected was for him to be another Hall of Famer right off the heels <laughs> of the one you guys uh, got rid of. So, you know, I know that the odds makers are, are not being kind uh, to you guys, not thinking that there's no way this happens three times uh, right. in a row. What what do you what do you think the the Packers are looking at at least for year one? <sighs> Yeah, it's 2008 is a good place to start and, and thinking through how that transition worked, right? Um, Packers' offense was actually pretty good that year. Um, Rodgers started off looking pretty good, not not the you know ridiculous Rodgers that he turned into, but he was still pretty darn good. I'm looking at the numbers now. They finished fifth in the NFL in scoring, um, and and they they blew a lot of games late. Um, mm. Rogers led a lot of comebacks in the fourth quarter and then the defense gave him away. And I think that team finished something like two and eight in one score games, something like that. Oh, wow. So yeah. they really, really, I think underperformed based on record, how, how good that team was just because they, you know, they, they choked away so many games late in the fourth quarter. Looking at this year, I don't know that they've got the same level of talent at, at the playmaking positions, especially at receiver, right? You've got some young talent. Watson looks like he, he could be a budding star, but, um, you know, we've seen flashes from guys and, and then seen him disappear before. Um, you've still got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon running the balls. So right. that's going to be, a, I think, where they're, they're really going to lean on um, early on and, and try to focus on the run game and, and let 
let love work off a of play action like like Matt LaFleur really loves to do. So I think the offense could be, you know, decent, right? Um, yeah, because you and, still and have the offensive line and, and things like yeah. that. So you're talented up right. front, which is a great equalizer for, yeah. you know, stabilizing the offense. You you can at least rely on the run while the rookie – well, not rookie, but while the new quarterback is figuring it out. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, certainly on, on love and, and how his development comes along. I think this, this team probably has a ceiling as, you know, maybe a 10 or 11 win team if everything goes right. Right. Um, if Jordan love looks really good, if the defense um, maintains some of the, the play that they had late in the season when, when they were like actually, you know, looking good and, and um, saving Joe Barry's job. But I think it's equally likely that this is a six or seven win team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it really that spectrum of uh, it's a bell curve that that you know goes anywhere from that you know, five or six wins up to up to ten or eleven, and that's the, the only way to know it is to to watch it play out. So there's just so many unknowns. There's so many variables that we just don't know. Well, I mean, um, just in the like. in the in the division alone. Yeah. There's so many variables. Are the Lions going to keep going, or are the Lions going to Lion? You know, are yeah. are the Vikings are having a fire sale and letting guys go and and all that kind of stuff? Are they going to be able to win 13 games uh, again, or are they going to be the Bears and fall off the cliff and and only win three or four uh, games while Kirk Cousins takes a beating all season long and and uh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff? Will the Bears be able to? you know, actually put something together with DJ Moore, you know, in that trade and, you know, to go along with Claypool and Mooney and, and uh, you know, Dante Foreman coming in from from Carolina to go with Khalil Herbert. And we got Tunyon to go along with, with Komet. I mean, on paper, it looks great. We still got a lot of work to do on that defense. Those linebackers are definitely going to help. But is that going to be enough? Will we find that three-tech that we need to secure the middle of the field and, and all that kind of stuff. A lot of questions floating around the NFC North. How anyone could confidently say anyone's going to win that division right now would be a mystery to me. It's like you've got a lot of you got to do a lot of reasoning to kind of you know get to a place where you're like, yep, one hundred percent, the Lions are winning the division, no doubt in my mind. It's like, well, you're either a Lions fan or you've not been paying attention to the history of the Detroit Lions because <laughs> they've been able to string a couple seasons together before. But then they go back to being the Lions and they inexplicably lose 12 games for no reason or, you know, or go on a seven game losing streak in the middle of the season that no one can really wrap their head around. And, you know, the Vikings are very much an up and down franchise. We know how the Bears like to roller coaster their fan base with their success and uh, and their losing and everything. The only constant in the in the North since the North became the North in 2002 when they did the realignment has been the Packers won it more times than they lost it. But with Favre going, Rodgers coming in, you know, the, 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 the roster not being as solid as it's been lately, it's really a wide-open division. So, I mean, I guess yeah. that's why we as Bear fans are optimistic because we got just as good a chance to win the division as anybody else because it's so up there this year. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're telling me to, you know, give me 10 bucks to go to Vegas and put a put it on a team to win the division, I'm, t- I'm putting it on Detroit. Yeah, but there's yeah, I, I, I'm certainly not going to claim that, you know, I'm, I'm super confident in in that pick. Um, 
and I wouldn't be, you know, I'm not much of a betting man anyway, but right. I certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't be comfortable putting much money down on any of these four teams at this point. Yeah. Um, just on paper, I mean, I feel like they've made some really strong moves in free agency this year too to, to bolster that defense, mm-hmm. um, especially in the secondary, which which was you know has been pretty bad for for the Lions the last couple of years. So I think that's going to help them uh, quite a bit and. Um, they, they definitely seem to me right now, at least on paper, to be the best team in the division. But obviously, we, we know that doesn't always work out. Yeah, we've all been lied to before when it comes yep. to the to the Lions. Matt Stafford, we tell you personally, uh, <laughs> you know, how that worked out. And, you know, they they had those really amazing offenses in, in 2011 and 2014, went on playoff runs, but they were one and done, never to be heard from again, you know, kind of thing as far yep. as their success rate. Uh, was concerned. I mean, this is a franchise that kind of like the Bears, to be honest with you, but this is a franchise that was thrilled with the two nine and seven seasons that Jim Caldwell put together before they fired him because it just wasn't good enough. We got to bring in Matt Patricia. And it was like, oh, there go the Lions doing Lion things. And they tried to do New England West and that did not work out. So here we are right now with Campbell, who's talking about chewing kneecaps in his his initial press conference. (laughs) And, you know, they, they, I mean, they, they made fans of us all during hard knocks uh, and everything, but came out of the gate week one and six before they finally figured it out and almost made the playoffs but came up just short uh, in the end. So, you know, the Lions were still the Lions for the first seven weeks of the season, and I'm happy to say it was the Bears that got them started on that winning streak, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it happens that way, I guess. But the Lions, in the end, still didn't didn't meet the call. They didn't make the playoffs and, and uh, you know, a lot can happen in a 17 game schedule as, as you know. And so it's um, it's yeah, with, with everything that's going on in the division, all of the changes and, and, and what have you, it's being able to definitively say, you know, you can make a case for everybody winning, winning this division one way or, or, or the other uh, this year. So um, the NFC is also wide open. As well, it's like Philly yeah. and San Francisco, maybe Dallas, and literally everyone else after that. It's like you still got four open playoff spots after those three teams. So it's it's uh, it's crazy wide open in the NFC this year. Well, just think about the quarterbacks in the NFC. If Rodgers gets traded, um, Brady's retired. Yep. So you're looking at who's your best quarterbacks in the in the conference. It's probably Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, and then. You, where else do you go? I mean, yeah. Do you, I mean, do you that's the funny Derek thing. Carr is in there? Do you put yeah. like? Do you put Jared Goff and and Kirk Cousins in there? Like, right. there's there's so, nobody who really strikes any fear in you. Everybody. I mean, the AFC is so stacked at the quarterback yeah. position. It's it's not even funny. Yeah. Um, I feel like you know you can make a, you can make an argument that at the end of the season, Jordan Love might be a top five NFC quarterback, depending on you know how, how things shake out. Right. So. You know, yeah. Good morning, football. Uh, good morning, football. Did a, a segment on this, I think, last week, where each of them mm-hmm. picked their top five quarterbacks in the NFC, and I think Fields made two of the four lists. Uh, he didn't make the other cool. ones. Cousins didn't make two of the lists. Uh, you know, that was kind of. <laughs> I mean, it's like the only person that made all four lists was Jalen Hurts, and then it was all over the place after that. Yeah. And but it's it's one of those things where. You know, you know, like go back like 10 years, a, a guy like Justin Fields might have cracked the top 10 in the NFC. But with the right. state of the NFC now, even with the question marks around him as a passer, but what he can produce with his legs and, and leading an offense, he's top five in the NFC right now. 
and he's still got a lot of things to answer before they, you know, before we can sit back and call him a uh, complete quarterback. I mean, the the Bears are committed to getting Justin Fields everything he needs to succeed, but I'm not sure they're 100% committed to him yep. going forward. This is the year that's going to make or break him because after Absolutely. this season, they got to make a decision on the fifth-year option uh, and all that kind of stuff. We got two ones in 2024 that maybe we could package those up to move up to get the you know, like a Caleb Williams or somebody like that in the first round if uh, this whole Justin Fields thing doesn't work out. The Bears have set themselves up to have options, and it's up to Fields and, and company to make sure that he takes those options away to be undeniable. Yep, yep. No, that's exactly it. But, yeah, the fact that, like you said, the fact that he's even in the conversation for, for top five quarterbacks in the NFC speaks to uh, a lot more to to the lack of great options in the conference. Yeah, and I'm not saying that Justin Fields is a bad option. I'm just saying that in the AFC, maybe he's nine or ten on that list in the in the at AFC best, behind, yeah. you know, at best, <laughs> at best, he's cracking the top ten uh, in the AFC. Yep. Uh, you know, but it's like in the NFC, it's the the talent pool is shallow, so he can be way up at the top. Um, you know, I think I saw him the, like the highest on those on those people that had him on his list was like three in the NFC. So I mean, and that's and like I said, that's more Justin Fields the player more so than Justin Fields the quarterback because obviously he was a lot more effective yep. as a runner than he was as a passer uh, last year, and we can get into. We're not going to get into the weeds about why that is, but you know, hopefully that's something the Bears are, are addressing and are going to fix uh, between now and, and kickoff uh, this year. So, oh boy. So, yeah, I mean, this, is, this has all been very interesting with, with Rodgers and the saga. I have very bittersweet feelings about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously as a Bear fan, I'm, I'm very happy to say that, you know, I mean, obviously things could change, but... Right here, right now, with where everybody's heels are dug in, we're not looking at another double Rodgers, you know, I own you type season. Uh, first one in 15 years where we don't have to worry about that. Because during his entire tenure in Green Bay, we never swept the Packers. Yep. So, um, you know, we beat Aaron Rodgers a few times. but uh, And we were never going to even up the win-loss record. We're never going to, yeah. you know, it would take us another decade to to square up on twenty two and five, but it's unfortunate that we weren't able to, you know, basically put the cherry on top the way that Lovey put it on Favre, yeah, because he started with the coach <laughs> as as coach in 04, and they swept him in 04, 05, and oh seven, and then Rod and then Favre was gone. So six of the ten games, seven, seven, seven six or seven of the eight games, the Bears won on Favre's way out, whereas Rodgers won like the last eight against the Bears uh, on his way out. So he definitely got the final say uh, in this rivalry. And then thank God, thanks to social media and everything, that I own you thing was everywhere. And it's one of those lasting moments that's going to be around forever. And, you know, we didn't get our shit together in time to do something about it before he left town. So, that's the bitter part of it. The sweet part is like he's gone. We don't have to deal with him. He's not our problem anymore. But the bitter part is that uh, we weren't able to, you know, like Favre still had the upper hand on the Bears, but we were able to, you know, put a good end to that chapter. We weren't able to do that with Rodgers, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think bittersweet is is going to be how Packers fans feel about this too. Um, 
because right, it's 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 the guy who's been the face of this franchise for fifteen years, who mm-hmm. came in and and was the the heir to to Favre and kind of did a lot in a lot of ways did things that Favre didn't do, mm-hmm. um, and and I mean, dominating the Bears is one of those things, right? Yeah, um, but it's there's also a, a little bit of a legacy of disappointment in the postseason, and not all of that is his fault. A lot no. of that was defenses uh, blowing games for him in in the postseason, but or most um, recently your special teams units were or special now. teams. But yeah. but even in, in in that game, right, that San Francisco game, that was you know team scored ten points at home in a playoff game. Uh, which just isn't isn't good enough. Yeah, score, so you scored a touchdown on your opening drive and then scored three points the rest of the way. Uh huh. Yeah. So there's you know there's there's some blame to go around there to to him too on on some of those postseason failures. So between that, between all the off the field stuff, it, it's it's time to make the move. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, a group of us that that are kind of ready to embrace the unknown again a little bit. Sure. Um, but it's a lot easier to embrace the unknown when the known isn't nearly as good as it used to be. Right. And that's, you know, fundamentally the, one of the biggest factors here is just that drop off he had in 2022, um, makes it a lot easier for, for the fan base, for the front office, for everybody to justify moving on. And, and that's where we're at. Well, Evan, as, as someone who has spent a lot of time dipping his toe into the unknown, welcome to our world, you know, with, with I, the, I'm, the carousel. I'm, just, of, I'm, I'm hoping against hope that uh, things repeat, the, the history repeats itself, and this really is, oh, I bet you, do. you know, the last 15 years all over again. So we'll see. <laughs> it'll be a fun journey. Well, hopefully yeah. it'll be a fun journey. We'll see. It'll be fun for one we'll of us. We'll see, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, um, yeah, I hope to God that doesn't happen. I would love to actually see some parody for once. Uh, in this godforsaken division that we uh, that we play in, that would be nice, you know, kind of like the the NFC East, where there's a different winner every single year, yeah, uh, kind of thing, as opposed to the Packers won it four years in a row, sprinkled in with one by the Vikings, three years in a row by the Packers, the Bears winning won it one time, Packers back on top for another four seasons, you know, and all that kind of nonsense. I just, uh, you know, the football gods have smiled upon you guys long enough. As far as that quarterback situation uh, is concerned, it's it's time for you to you know bring in the journeyman and you know draft that rookie that didn't work out and you know all that kind of stuff. You just go ahead and deal with that for a little while because that's the Packers I grew up watching. You know when I was because yep. Favre came around in '92, I was 14 years old uh, in '92, and here I am. I just turned 45 last week, and uh, yeah. 31 years uh, of you guys with Hall of Fame quarterbacks playing for an, you know, an inordinate amount of time before finally you know, hanging up or, or going elsewhere. It's like, yeah, we Bear fans have had our fill uh, of this. You know, even if Jordan, or excuse me, even if um, Justin Fields isn't the, the next Aaron Rodgers of the division, you guys not having a Farver Rodgers is something that we would be settled for at this point. <laughs> You know, that we actually have a shot at a Packer game every once in a while versus it would be a miracle for us to pull one out every once in a while kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it all uh, unfolds. But, yeah, like I said, welcome, yep. to the, welcome to the great unknown where your future yeah. is uncertain, um, you know, where the, where the chance of success is just as good as the chance for it all to go wrong 
and uh, you know you get a front row seat for it. So you sure know, do. good luck, It'll and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk again, and we'll we'll get a little bit more in depth when the when the off season is is wrapping up for our opponent previews. You know, later on in the in the summer, free agency will be done, the draft will be in the books, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So we'll get a deeper look at what, and the schedule will be out. So we'll, the, you know, all of those variables that, you know, were like could be five or six wins, could be 10 or 11. We'll have a better idea what we're looking at uh, the next time that we see you. And that's if we don't uh, have you on at some point for another one of those retro rewind games yeah. and just pull out some, some other classic bears Packers game that we can, uh, take a look at on YouTube and, and converse about for, for a little while. So, yeah. well, and, and God willing, next time we talk, uh, there will at least be some resolution to, to this whole situation. <laughs> yeah. They and, might've actually you know. made a deal by the time we talk exactly. again. So yeah, yeah that, but it might actually be official that Aaron Rodgers is a jet <laughs> instead of just kind of talking about it, uh, yep. right now. So, so Evan, thanks so much, uh, for coming on. Why do you tell everybody where we can uh, find you out in the meantime, so we can keep up on our, Packers Jets trade info. Absolutely. Yeah, you can uh, see all of our writing. It's acmepackingcompany.com. Um, we've got, uh, I mean, just covering covering the whole thing. Not not a whole lot to talk about on free agency, but right. that's, that's the Packers for you. So um, <laughs> you can find me at TexWestern. You can find our Twitter at acmepackingco. Um, as the draft gets a little bit closer, um, we'll be doing a lot more of our uh, draft prep podcast as well. So um, my colleagues, Justice Mosqueda, Tyler Brooke, um, I'll pop in on a couple of those as well. And uh, if you feel like... Uh, interacting with some of us during the draft. We do a lot of um, Twitter spaces during the draft too. So come, come hang out with us during draft week as well. If you're interested. All right. Sounds good. Evan, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks man. Go pack. Go. As always, I want to thank Evan Western from Acme Packing Company for coming on the show and talking to us about Rodgers and the Packers and their future and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And like I said, we'll get a much better grasp on what the future and the near future and beyond looks like for Green Bay when we talk to Evan again uh, during the opponent preview series uh, during the, uh, the late spring and early summer. Um, and like I said, unless, of course, we get him on the show to do a retro Rewind, which I'm still trying to put a few of those episodes uh, together. So, but um, before we take off, we're going to do a quick free agency uh, review. We're basically, uh, you guys listening to this on Thursday, we're basically at the end of the second week of of open free agency. Um, and, uh, you know, today being Wednesday right now, it's almost uh, 9.30 on Wednesday night that I'm recording this, uh, we're officially one week into it but you know with the legal tampering period on Monday and Tuesday we're at the tail end of the second week of actual free agency and uh the bears were busy on on day 1 four big signings uh for the bears TJ Edwards the linebacker out of uh, the inside linebacker out of Philadelphia a Chicago area guy signed a 3 year deal 19.5 million 12 million guaranteed uh i think he's projected to be our new middle uh linebacker um, Nate Davis, an offensive guard from the Titans, played right guard his in his entire career, his four years uh, in Tennessee with the Titans, signed a three-year deal, 
with the Bears. And like the offensive line projection after this signing uh, has the Bears moving uh, Tevin Jenkins to the left side. And so Nate Davis can play what has been his position his entire career at the right guard right now. And when Ryan Poles met with the media last week after the first wave of free agency uh, ended, there was talk of, you know, because moving Tevin Jenkins from the right guard to left to make room for Nate Davis, what does that do for Cody White here? He's like, well, I guess our, our Poles was, was pretty much under the, or gave us the impression that, Whitehair is at least being considered to be the center in 2023, a position that he uh, made a Pro Bowl in in 2018 uh, when he was, uh, you know, snapping the ball to Trubisky in that one great year the Bears had uh, under Nagy. So Davis coming in, no, no financials discussed on that deal, but it is a three-year deal uh, for him coming into uh, Chicago. Uh, the next big signing was uh, a surprise because we had already signed T.J. Edwards. But instead, we went ahead and signed Tremaine Edmonds, uh, the linebacker out of Buffalo. And, and it's interesting that the Bears signed him because if you remember, when he came out to be drafted in 2018, there was a lot of debate on whether the Bears should take Roquan or if they should take Tremaine Edmonds. The only thing that really hurt Edmonds is that he's one of those kids that somehow managed to put in an entire college career and still was only 19 years old when he was about to be drafted. So I think he turned 20 just before the season started, which means right now he's only like 23, maybe 24, uh, as we go into his fifth year uh, in the league, or sixth year, actually. So, you know, this he could sign another, you know, one or two more big contracts before he's done with his career. But signs with the Bears, four years, $72 million, $50 million guaranteed, uh, currently the highest paid inside linebacker in the, NF, in, the, in the league, or at least that's what I've read. I think, you know, Roquan is making $20 million, but I don't know if because he's in a 3-4 it's a different position or whatever. I think maybe it was the highest stand-up linebacker or something like that. I don't know. But big, big dollars going to Tremaine Edmonds, and, you know, for all the debate about whether or not we should take him or Roquan, in the end, Roquan is gone, Edmonds is in, and that leaves us with a very interesting situation at linebacker. So, I mean, we signed two free agents at linebacker to really solidify uh, that position. Um, what does that mean for Jack Sanborn? Well, we still have, at a 4-3, we still got one one open spot. Does, you know, does he, because I mean, uh, Tr- Edmonds is going to be our will. He's going to be our weak side uh, linebacker, the Lance Briggs of the defense, if you will. And, uh, you know, Edwards is projected to be our middle linebacker, which is the position that Sanborn played when Roquan got traded. With Nick Morrow having signed with the Eagles earlier this week, does that mean that Sanborn can be our strong side uh, linebacker, or does he go back to playing special teams? I hope that doesn't happen. would really love to see him out there with those two savages uh, backing him up and, and, and making life easier uh, for him, but uh, huge, huge signings to to really take care of what was a major weakness for the Bears, especially after Roquan got traded, was obviously we still need to sign a three-tech and get some in- interior uh, defensive uh, line help, whether we do that in the draft or in the, in the waning time of uh, free agency here. Having those guys, those linebackers in the middle of the field at least protects the second level of the of the defense uh a lot better 
uh, than it did uh, last year. So, uh, and then finally on day one, this was all day one, uh, with the Bears got some uh, edge rushing help, uh, signing Demarcus Walker away from the Tennessee Titans, three years, 21 mil, 16 uh, guaranteed, had a really solid year uh, for the Titans uh, last year. I mean, all of these guys played very well, obviously. Edmonds was a, was a beast for uh, Buffalo, has had a really solid career uh, up to this point, even though he was thrown to the Wolves at 19 or 20 years old as a first-round pick uh, out of Virginia Tech in, in 2018. And then Edwards was uh, you know, a, an undrafted free agent, kind of like Sanborn, was an undrafted free agent that worked himself up to being you know, A, on a Super Bowl team uh, in Philadelphia, being a starter, being a key player for them, and now he's a Chicago-area guy that gets to play uh, for the Chicago Bears. I mean, you know, that's something that's going to play into uh, a little uh, something that I'm going to talk about here at the end uh, of the uh, of the segment. Uh, then going forward in, in in free agency, the Bears made another five uh, signings. Uh, the first of two running backs the Bears signed so far: Travis Homer uh, out of Seattle with a two year, four point five million dollar deal. He's going to be looked upon as more of a a third down special teamer. Uh, kind of guy, which is who he was, because in four seasons he rushed for like a hundred yards uh, in Seattle. So not exactly somebody that we're going to be counting on to be our bell cow uh, back uh, or anything like that. Uh, the Bears have a brand new backup quarterback in PJ Walker uh, coming out of Carolina. That was a move made shortly after we made the trade for uh, DJ Moore, and um, you know PJ Walker was a quarterback in Carolina. Started a you know I think six or seven games last year and had a winning record when Carolina went on that run uh, at the end of the season where they almost won the NFC South division, which wouldn't be saying much because the the, the winner of the division was you know eight and nine or something like that. But you know they would have won the division, they would have hosted a playoff game and, and whatnot, but they came up just short uh, at the end. PJ Walker was the quarterback down the stretch. Uh, for them, and if you remember, when the the second inclination of the XFL started in 2020, right before the pandemic, PJ Walker was the MVP uh, quarterback of the undefeated Houston Roughnecks before the the league had to cease operations because of COVID. So, you know, he's uh, he's worked his way up into the NFL, and now he's Justin Fields' backup because the Bears released Trevor Simeon after they signed uh, PJ Walker. So it was a two year deal for Walker. Um, financials not disclosed. And the Bears did sign uh, a defensive tackle, Andrew Billings, from the Raiders uh, on a one-year deal. Don't know much about uh, Billings, but I believe he is a three-tech, so he's you know adding some bulk to the middle of that defensive line. And then I told you guys, when I did my little preview uh, a couple weeks ago, I told you guys that Tunyon should be somebody the Bears go after. And I had no idea Tunyon was actually a Chicago-area guy. He'd always imagined that he'd play for the Bears someday, and now he is. On a one-year deal, Tunyon, who was one of Rodgers' favorite weapons uh, in the last couple of years, he was in and out of the lineup with, a, with an injury. He, he blew out his ACL, I think, in 2021, something like that. He played last year, but, um, you know, was kind of uh, banged up a little bit, but he's a full year removed from the ACL surgery, so he should be full strength, ready to go this year, and he's a great complement for Cole Komet. It's an outstanding, it's definitely an upgrade from Ryan Griffin and, and uh, the other uh, tight ends that the Bears brought in uh, to offset Cole Komet. And then finally, the last uh, signing the Bears made, 
Uh, Deontay Foreman, running back, another Carolina Panther, uh, joining DJ Moore uh, in uh, in Chicago. Uh, one year, $3 million deal. And I got to say, I love the guy's moxie. Uh, he came in, and I think it was the score or whoever it was he was talking to basically said he came here to be the guy. He's like, all due respect to Khalil Herbert, I came here to be the guy. So he is is coming in to uh, – you know, those those carries that Herbert thought he inherited when Montgomery signed with the Lions, which is unfortunate. But, um, you know, David Montgomery's not going to be a bear anymore. But I, I think we were half prepared for that to happen. But, you know, those those carries that, that Herbert thought he was going to inherit because, you know, Montgomery's out of town, Foreman says they're going to go to him uh, instead, and, and Herbert's still going to be the backup. So should be should make for an interesting OTA training camp uh, period um, you know, with those guys going at it, trying to, uh, you know, take over the Chicago Bear uh, running game and, and everything else. So those are the big ones. You know, we traded for a DJ and we signed a TJ and a PJ uh, to answer the team. So, you know, we only got about, what, four more, you know, about 20-something more, you know, alphabet letters to, you know, we can get a JJ and a BJ and a CJ and, a, and an EJ and all, and we, we get them all in there. You know, if we if we try hard enough, so you know, but we got a TJ, a PJ, and a DJ. Uh, you know, all from uh, you know, we got two of them from Carolina, one from Philly, and uh, you know, it's got some Chicago area guys in there, and uh, you know, two that I know of with with uh, Tunyon and, and Edwards signing with the Bears. But um, let's talk a bit more about you know w- when it started getting to a certain point in day one and day two it wasn't so much to talk about what the Bears did versus what they didn't. And what they didn't do was, A, sign David Montgomery. He signed a three-year, $18 million deal with the Lions. And when you, like going into the offseason or like the projections as the season went along, there was a lot of talk about Montgomery demanding, you know, when he hit the market, 10 to $12 million a season. And then to see that you know when free agency actually started the best the market could do was 6 you figure that was definitely a low enough number that the bears could live with uh to bring him back cuz it's not just the running back that we're losing we're also losing a guy that was you know a leader in the locker room somebody that you know the guys looked up to that he set an example for and things like that so it's a lot more than just a couple hundred carries and, and a thousand yard season that we're losing here uh in Montgomery and it, it's not like he signed for $14 million a season and the Bears just couldn't reconcile paying him uh, that much. And he went to the Lions, so he's he's in the division. We get to face him, you know, twice a year. So, yeah, not my favorite move. I understand that he was probably going to end up elsewhere, but it really sucks that he went to Detroit, so we have to play him uh, twice a year uh, and everything. So, But the other thing that they didn't do was what they were projected to do, which was to take a big-ticket tackle off the board and take him off early. And the first one to sign was Mike McGlinchey. Um, I, I heard that the Bears were in on him, but in the end, Denver offered more money than the Bears were willing to pay him. So McGlinchey goes to like five years, $87 million, uh, to the to the, um, to the Denver Broncos. Um, there were talk, there was words about, you know, Caleb McGarry would be a cheaper option, he elected to stay in Atlanta for eleven million over, you know, eleven million per for for three years. Uh, Jawan Taylor out of Jacksonville 
was talked about for a bit. He signed with the Chiefs for like $20 million a season, like four years, $80 million or something uh, like that. And then the last one was Orlando Brown. That was kind of like the last domino to fall as far as the big offensive tackles uh, were concerned. And, you know, there were a lot of rumors that the Bears were, were talking to him and all that kind of stuff. And in the end, he ends up signing with Cincinnati. He goes to the Bengals uh, for about 16, 17 mil uh, a season uh, to be their left tackle. And it was like two sticking points for Ryan Poles when he had that, that press conference uh, to introduce the free agents and whatnot was that he didn't quite fit the scheme. This is Ryan Poles talking. Didn't quite fit the scheme. And um, what was the other thing? He didn't quite, he was like, it's a scheme was a big issue for us. So like what he looks for in an offensive tackle, uh, Orlando Brown didn't quite fit the bill. Uh, like he, he likes his offensive linemen, you know, athletic and, and, and things like that. And he didn't quite fit what it is the bears uh, want to do there. So the bears missed out on the big offensive tackle. I mean, there's still guys out there, but as far as like the ones they were projected to get their hands on and, and bring in and everything, they all went elsewhere and whether it was, you know, the the opposition gave more money than the Bears were willing to offer or, um, you know, or like in Orlando Brown's case, just not being a good scheme uh, fit. It's, uh, you know, it was a no for Ryan Poles. He let them all go. So now it's looking like, you know, now everybody's projecting the Bears to be taking a tackle at number nine. And it makes sense because today they were at Ohio State's uh, pro day. And, you know, a couple of the people they could be looking at, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver, and more importantly, Paris Johnson Jr., the offensive tackle, who's played both tackle positions and guard at Ohio State. I mean, he blocked for Justin Fields, um, you know, uh, as a as a I think a sophomore or something like that uh, out there. So, you know, reuniting him with with Justin Fields, bringing him in, he can play either side. If the Bears are stuck with, you know, are stuck on. Making Braxton Jones the left tackle, you stick Ryan or you know stick Paris Johnson in it on the right side, that could work out pretty well. And then the other big move was that the Bears did not sign the like a big three tech defensive tackle. They're like top two names that were associated with the Bears. Javon Hargrave from the Philadelphia Eagles signed a crazy deal with the with the 49ers, like twenty one million a season. Uh, I think maybe more than anything, it was it was his age and his price tag that probably kept the Bears uh, away. The 49ers gave him $84 million over four seasons, and he's already 30, 31 uh, years old. So he's on the wrong side of 30, and he wanted way too much money as far as the Bears uh, were concerned. And then the other one was Draymond Jones uh, from the Broncos ended up signing a deal with the uh, Seattle Seahawks when it was all uh, said and done. So we didn't get our three technique. And it's like, I know Andrew Billings is an interior defensive lineman, but he's not the high ticket guy. The bears were projected uh, to get, we could still possibly land Jalen Carter. If I really hope we don't be, I mean, he's a beast of a, of a football player, but it's apparent that he doesn't love the game. You know, he, he showed up at his, at his pro day after skipping the combine, he showed up as at his pro day, nine pounds, heavier and he physically couldn't finish the drills which means he hasn't been training he's out of shape so his his head's not where it needs to be and he's that's his reputation so but he's a supremely talented kid and i i don't know if if maybe the bears want to take a chance and and think that you know maybe 
he would respond to their kind of coaching and end up being the player that everyone thinks he can be. Someone who was talked about as being the best player in the draft and projected at number one when the Bears had the pick uh, and everything. So, you know, maybe they come around and they take a chance uh, on him. I don't know. I would not be a fan of it, quite frankly, but it's still an, it's still a need for us right now is basically what I'm saying. Like, will, will we use one of our two second-round picks to take somebody? You know, will we look at, uh, you know, another edge rusher like a, a Van Ness out of uh, the University of Iowa and whatnot at number nine? Will we go with the wide receiver uh, in Jigba? Will we go with the offensive tackle? in Paris Johnson and things. The Bears have a lot of options at nine, and that's if we don't trade back again. That's also something else they might do. Maybe we'll snag another first-rounder and have three uh, to work with in 2024. So, but And then the other big name that the Bears were kind of connected to was uh, was Bobby Okirke, Okirke? Um, because of his time with uh, Iberflus in Indianapolis. He ends up signing a four-year deal uh, with the with the Giants. So, I don't think the Bears – I don't. I didn't see the Bears being projected to take, like, Edmonds, maybe Edwards because he was a Chicago guy. But pretty much everybody we signed was just like, huh, they went with the Bears. Interesting. Or the Bears were interested in, in them. And in the end, it, it really kind of came down to, like, for TJ Edwards, like for Robert Tunyon, these were guys who grew up in Chicago and, and always wanted to be Bears, and here they are. And it's it seemed like Mike McGlinchey was more hung up on the money than he was about, you know, returning to the Midwest to, you know, be a part of what the Bears are doing uh, in Chicago. Tremaine Edmonds, you know, yeah, he signed for big money, but he wanted to come to Chicago. He wanted to be a Bears uh, linebacker and and help build what the Bears and Ryan Poles are trying to work towards uh, and everything. And I, and I think that's what probably makes these guys better fits than what those high-ticket guys were. I mean, I know... A, like aside from Montgomery, everybody else on that list followed the money, which is what you do when you're a free agent. But uh, you know Montgomery was a disappointment because it was three years, six million per, and you know the Bears even now have forty one million dollars in cap space we could have afforded uh, to keep him. But we went a different way. Right now, Herbert's Herbert or Foreman will be our starting uh, running back with with Homer coming off the bench or playing uh, special teams for us and. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. You know, overall, it, it, the, the Bears did not kind of go the way that I thought they would. We got, you know, two linebackers. We got a tight end. We got two running backs, but no offensive tackles. No, you know, we got one edge rusher, but not any of the the, the high-ticket guys that we possibly could have. But there are still some guys out there like a Frank Clark and, and, and whatnot that could, uh, that could sign for, you know, a team-friendly deal later on uh, down the line, but we'll see. But um, now I really am looking forward to the draft. I mean, we still got the third wave of free agency and, you know, another five weeks to go before the draft uh, takes place. But it's uh, I'm really looking forward to the draft and, and what maneuvering um, they do there, what the Bears' focus is and in, in, in the picks that they make, picking in the top ten, which is always fun uh, and everything, or, or seeing what, what polls will do because – He's having a masterful offseason. The, the trade to get to get the Panthers to throw DJ Moore into that trade was outstanding. I mean, it just just a masterclass of moves there on, on his part. The, you know, this, he's got two ones in 2024. He's got two twos in 2025, and you know, one of the best available receivers in the league. Period. 
uh, you know, to come in and, and enhance what uh, Justin Fields is bringing to the table. So uh, it's all very exciting, all very exciting. But along with that excitement comes expectations because we sat and we we swallowed what the Bears tried to feed us last year, knowing that high pick, $100 million in cap space, you're going to be making moves and all that kind of stuff. But bring, making those moves and, and, and doing those things come with expectations. So there's no way that we would sit and accept another 3-14 and 14 season. We want to see some wins. We want to see some points. We want to see production. We want to be happy about what's coming, taking place on the field in 2023. So anyway, guys, that will do it for the Aaron Rodgers decision reaction and free agency review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Keep your eyes on the social media at BTU underscore Larry on Facebook, or excuse me, on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook, you can just search Bears Talk Underground and join the Facebook group so you know when the next episode is dropping because it could be, you know, a week or two from now. Maybe we make some more signings or, or, or whatnot. It could be, uh, you know, next week if I find a partner to do a retro rewind episode with. Just keep your eyes on the social media because this is that weird time of year where, you know, I might do three episodes in a week and then you won't hear from me for a month. Uh, and then, but when, what, you know, once the opponent preview series starts, you know, you pretty much got me hooked in until the end of the season. So just, uh, just know that, that, uh, at the end of, uh, May, when the opponent preview series begin and we start talking about all of our, you know, opponents in 2023, that's when uh, there'd be a lot more consistency, a lot more shows. And then the season starts, we hit the ground running and off we go. So, and it'll be here before you know it. Cause like I told Evan, uh, during our discussion, you know, it's next Saturday is April 1st. It's the first quarter of the year is almost already over. I mean, it just, where does it go? Where does it go? So, yeah. Anyway, guys, like I said, keep an eye on the social media so we know, you know, when the next episode comes out. And until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.